week three of what happened to you. I hope you're finding out. Um, only this is the Easter version of what happened to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this Easter egg in my pocket because I don't know what else to do with it. So pardon me if that bothers you that they're sticking out like that. Um, so it's 1038. This time yesterday morning, I was in North Carolina. It was 40 degrees and raining. It was horrible. Um, and it was supposed to be an outdoor wedding. That's a plus, right? And, um, and about this time, I was praying for the Holy Spirit to move. Um, I was a bit on the desperate side um, about this time. So um, good stories to tell, but it was a, a, a wonderful, exhausting, emotional day, but a great day yesterday. And I, um, I want to say thank you to everybody who prayed me here. I was one canceled flight away from uh, having a substitute this morning. I'm sure there was somebody, at least one person in this room, prepared to go this morning. Raise your hand if that was you. Yeah. Tartan, you better put your hand up over there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> somebody would have done something. Yeah. Um, I was telling some of you this morning that I was supposed to get home at 11.48 last night, and I was so exhausted that I walked into an airport yesterday at 3.30, and I did something I've never done in my life. I walked right up to a ticket counter. I picked out the two nicest-looking ladies I could find in the airport, and I walked up to them and said, I don't want to get home at midnight. Can you help me? And they were like, two ladies from Buffalo... Well, sweetheart, we'd be glad to help you. And they got me home at 7.54. So there you go. With a free upgraded seat. There you go. So thank you, two ladies from Buffalo. Um, happy for them. So um, it's, good, it's good to be back in wonderful Texas with my, I am on my own bed. Um, so numerous Easter Sundays, I, we've, we've been here and, and we've, we've talked about the importance of the resurrection, how everything in our message uh, centers around the resurrection. Paul says if, if Christ is not alive, uh, a dead Savior doesn't save very well. Um, and if, if Christ is dead, then we have no way to defeat death. We are still in our own sins, the Apostle Paul says. So um, it's always a good thing for a pastor... Um, to spend an Easter morning um, talking about the reasons why we believe Christ is alive, why we believe, um, why we believe the tomb was empty, um, that there are reasonable reasons to believe that, good reasons why we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, why he actually died on that Roman cross, was placed in a tomb, and why three days later that tomb was empty. And if you want to call it an apologetic approach, Five, six, seven great reasons, um, explanations that the tomb is empty is because Jesus rose from the dead. Um, and I think that's a great approach. I think believers need to be reminded that we have good reasons to believe what we believe. Um, but that's not what I want to do today. Um, there's another apologetic approach that I want to take today, and it's in Colossians chapter 3, and it's about 
what happened to you. It's the apologetic of a, of a changed life. Easter is what happened to Jesus, obviously, <laughs> right? What happened to Jesus? But we're in the middle of a sermon series called What Happened to You? So that's what we're doing. That's our question for Easter morning. Um, because if Jesus is alive, then what has Jesus done to you? What is it, what is it that he's risen in you and for you? Um, and as I've said in the last few weeks, and as you're going to see next week, he's done more than we ever realized. Like in that moment of trusting him, so much happened to us. So much happened to us. Um, it's almost hard to count. Um, and, and here's the thing. Um, I've never done any surveys of like, 10,000 people who don't believe. Um, I just, I know the people that I know. I know my own friends. And um, my own friends who don't believe, um, none, of, none of them seem to not believe for, for like intellectual reasons, if you know what I mean. Um, some of them just kind of have really subjective reasons, sometimes emotional reasons, and I, I completely get that. God did not make us just like brains with bodies, right? We're not just thinking things that walk around. Um, we're all wired differently, right? Some, some of us approach lives head first, life head first, and some of us approach life like heart first, and, and we're all different, and I don't expect us to all approach life the same way. And so some people end up where they end up not because they logic their way into it. And we're, and we're silly to think that that's the way it works for any of us. Um, just like I don't think people that, that I know who believe were logic or reasoned into believing, right? Some of us had very subjective reasons. Um, so some people walked through a very rational, reasonable front door, right, into faith, and then it kind of became a more subjective thing afterwards. And some people walked through a very um, experiential front door, and it became reasons for that afterwards. Um, but I, I want to s- just say this morning, as we think about Easter, sometimes it's the beauty of a lived life that makes room for the reasons. And I think we need to be open for this, and I think we need to be challenged by this. And... Um, I know we can fall off the horse on either side, right? I, I understand there's two ways to fall off a horse. Well, I guess there's four ways to fall off a horse. <laughs> I'm thinking particularly of the sides, not the front and the back. Forgive me. Um, yeah, right, like one side of the horse is discipleship is all about, there's all these doctrinal boxes you have to check. I've got all the knowledge. I'll give you the knowledge. You're a disciple. You fall off the horse. The other side is discipleship is this experience that you must have. I've had the experience. Let me have you help you have the experience. Oh, you don't have to worry about, you fall off the horse, right? The, the correct discipleship, discipleship is there are reasons and it, it, and it changes our life, right? And you, you stay on the horse. Easter morning, I, I want us to see there's a risen Savior, but what's beautiful is a risen Christian. And that is what happened to you. When I say what happened to you, what in the world happened to you, um, that's what happened to you. You were raised, you were resurrected. 
You were resurrected the moment of faith. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Pastor Dean, I didn't even know I was dead. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. Uh, just hold on. Um, something's happening in the book of Colossians, and I just want to say it, it really quickly. Um, just, just kind of this whole thing. Um, these people have come. I'm sorry, I've got a cough drop in my mouth. If I keep sounding like I'm slurping on something, I've got this itchy throat. Please forgive me. Um, these people are, are coming into the church and they're saying, listen, if you're going to be accepted with God, if you're going to be accepted with Jesus, um, there, there's these rules about what you can eat and what you can't eat and what you can drink and what you can't drink. And you've got to keep this festival and this festival and this day and, and that day. And um, you, you gotta, we're going to throw some angels into the mix and worshiping angels a little bit. And um, there's these visions you've got to have and, um, and just this, 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 and this. And it was just kind of this all these strange mixes, and it was, and what it ends up becoming is, um, you've got to work, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you've got to work towards acceptance with God, you've got to work towards an identity, and what Paul is saying is, in Colossians is, you don't work for an acceptance with God, you work from acceptance with God, God accepts you, and you work from that, God gives you an identity, and you work from that, you don't work for it, and so there's this this thing in Colossians 3 through 4, and there's this, the way this is arranged. So let me read Colossians 3, 1 through 4 to you, and then show you how this is set up. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, I don't know if you caught the arrangement of these verses. There are the, the objective facts of the verses. This is true. Therefore, do this. Let me, let, me, let me take it apart for you, okay? Um, let, me, let me show you everything that has happened to you and will happen to you, actually, in verse 8. This is, let me take this out of verses th- 1 through 4. Ready? Everything that's happened to you. According to these verses, you died with Christ. You were raised with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's a new one. We haven't done that one yet. And, and, and this is a new, a new little verb. This is called a perfect tense, which means it was hidden with Christ in God, and it remains hidden there, and it will remain hidden there. And then it says, you will appear with him in glory, and that's, that's really not part of our thing because we're asking what happened to you, and that's what will happen to you. But I guess it's here, so we'll, that's going to happen to you. So I guess one day... I don't know when, we'll all look at each other. And I'll say, what happened to you? <laughs> I appeared with Christ in glory. You look good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Isn't this amazing? You died, you were raised, you were hidden with Christ in God. And it happened in a moment. That's in a lot into a moment, isn't it? 
Remember I told you guys the last two weeks, I've been going through all the New Testament like Paul's letters. I'm up to 88 things that happened to you the moment you believed. God knows how to squeeze a lot into a couple of seconds, doesn't he? Um, but being, but dying and rising again and then being hidden with Christ and then already determining your future? Like it took, it took Jesus days to do that. How does... I don't, I don't claim to have all the answer there, but I just know God doesn't kind of live in, in time exactly the way we live in time. And if he can kind of see things all together, then, then it kind of blows your mind. And I don't know how that works because I'm not that smart, but he's... He's outside of time somehow. So when you come to faith in Christ, he can take you to the moment when Jesus is dying and you die there with Jesus in Christ. Because this is everything, everything I've said every week. Remember what I've said this over and over again. Every blessing that comes to you, everything that happens to you, happens to you are the two words Paul repeats over and over again, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. We're justified in Christ. We're made new in Christ. We're new creations in Christ. We're saved in Christ, in Christ. So in that moment, you're in Christ and you die with Christ and then he can look three days and he can see Christ come back to life and because you're in Christ, you get to come back to life too. And then you're in Christ and Christ ascends to the right hand. So you go with him because you're in Christ. And then one day, Christ appears. And you're in Christ. That's why I have the Easter egg. I went and took this from the kids' room back there today. So you're the candy. Um, I had two options. They were Starburst and Lemonheads. You're a Lemonhead, sorry. <laughs> I didn't know which would be offended you most, but you're a lemonhead. Um, you're the lemonhead, and this is what I love. I love this phrase. You are hidden with Christ in God. Where did Dean go? He's hidden. He's in Christ. He's hidden. He's hidden in there. He's a lemonhead, an egg, <laughs> Right? It's kind of like when Jesus was talking about being a, the, the sheep, right? Um, no one can snatch you from my hand. And then he says, and the father who gives you to me is greater than all and no one can snatch you from his hand. And like you're in two hands at one time. So you're like, you're in Christ, but you're in the father at the same time. And you're hidden in there. He's put you in Christ. So then, so whatever it was that happened historically to Christ, when you're in Christ, he goes and he applies that to you. So you die with him. You rise again with him. You, you ascend with him and you're there at the right hand. So that when God looks at you, he looks at you in Christ. Died, raised, seated. That happened. What happened to you? That did. And it says, therefore, this, this little phrase that you flip right over in verse 4, when Christ, who is your life? 
when Christ, who is your life, who is your life? Christ is your life now. Your life isn't your life. Christ is your life. If something happens to Jesus, you're in trouble. I think Jesus is fine. And he's your life. And I know this is getting ahead of things because we're talking about what happened to you, but this is real quick. Let me tell you what's going to happen to you. When he appears, you will appear with him in glory. And I don't think in glory there is a place. I don't think that's a where. I think that's a what. I think you will be glorified. You will be glorious the way he is glorious. I think this is a condition. And Paul said, it has not yet been revealed who we are. He says in, in Philippians 3, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Romans 8, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage of decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. So all of creation goes through the cycle of life and death and life and death and life and death. And one day, it's going to be life, and the cycle's going to end. And when that's going to happen, we're going to be revealed in glory. Who we really are is going to be revealed, and we're going to be glorious. I don't, I don't know how much you guys like this, but this blows my mind. I'm ready for this. Like when I'm getting out of bed in the morning and my knees are making all those noises, right? Like when I get over to, from tying my shoe, or, right? I, I used to think this was funny, but it's not funny anymore because people used to tell those jokes about, yeah, I'm at that age when I tie my shoes. I look to see if there's anything else I can do while I'm down there. I'm there. I'm there. It's like, well, I'm down here. Can I pick anything up? Is there anything that needs to be cleaned? That's me. That won't be me someday because I'm going to be glorious and you're going to be glorious and we're going to say, wow, look at you. Yeah, (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) I'm ready. It's like you're going to come out of the egg. It's gonna be, you're going to be glorious. You won't be a lemon head anymore. You'll be whatever your favorite is. Like a Hershey kiss. Yeah. <laughs> that's all that's true. Therefore, he says, since that's true, what are the things you're supposed to do? Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. That's it. For those four verses, there's one in verse five. We'll get there. Seek, desire, look for, strive after. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. When Jesus said, the shepherd leaves the 99 sheep to seek after that one sheep. That's what he's saying here. 
Seek after the things above, like a shepherd looking for that, that sheep. Set your mind there. Like if God's got your heart and God's got your mind, he's got you. Set your heart and your mind on who Christ is and who we will be revealed to be. And apparently we will be anything but earthly because we are hidden in the one who is glorious. And then you get these commands that, that make sense of this, like beginning in verse 5, put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off the old man with his practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Like, there is a new you. When you died in rose, God made a new you that's being renewed. So you're taking this stuff off. But if you look at each one of these things, he tells you to put to death, put it to death, kill it, this immorality, this impurity, this lust, this greed... You realize then, if you go back, these all start with your heart and your mind, which are fixed on things above. Right? Lust is a heart and mind thing. Evil desires, sexual morality, those are a heart and mind thing. As a matter of fact, look what he calls greed, idolatry. Is greed a money problem? No. Is greed a possession problem? No. Is greed about how much you have and don't have? No. Greed is about your worship. Greed is about who your God is. Therefore, set your mind on things above, and you can kill that. So when, so when he says, Paul says in Galatians, when he talks about Christ being formed in you, he's talking about your heart and your mind being set on things above. He's, it's like you're being formed from the inside the egg. This isn't like peeling the aluminum foil off of a Cadbury cream egg where you're like being remade from the outside in. I don't know anything about Cadbury cream eggs, but I heard they have foil on them and you peel it off from the outside, right? We're not just like cleaning up from the outside in. We're being renewed from the inside out because of our worship, because what we desire, because where our hearts are set on things above. It's your heart your mind that he wants. And all of these things are heart issues. When you get to the end of Revelation, which we did a while back, and you get to glory and you see new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, you see all of these things are gone. And there's glorious you. In other words, what's he saying? Start being renewed in such a way that you're getting rid of everything that won't be yours one day. So, I tell the kids in, in my, um, my class, there's, there's, there's no such thing as 100% airtight proof. I don't even think, I, I don't think I'm going to come to you 
with 100% airtight proof for God. Like where you're just going to go, my goodness, you just answered my last question perfectly. You're done. I don't have any more questions left. 100% airtight proof. Every, everything in my heart has now been solved. Um, I just kind of believe that if you just start piling up clues, you just get to enough clues to where the clues start pointing in that direction. And I think it's just kind of this, you know, you approach Easter with, here's all the clues of the resurrection, or you can approach Easter with, look at all these people in this room who've died and risen again, and they're, they're, they're getting more glorious. And they're all clues that Jesus is alive. Do you see them? <laughs> they're all hidden with Christ and God. Look at them. They're clues. Let your life be a clue. This doesn't mean, like if I were to come to your house Tuesday afternoon and find you washing dishes or mowing the yard, Hey, hey, were you at church Sunday? I told you to set your mind on things to do. What, above, what are you doing mowing this yard? You're not going to be mowing the yard in heaven. Cut this out. Hey, put down those dishes. Stop washing those dishes. Did I hear an amen out there? Okay, just, yeah, woo. <laughs> I've got to set my mind on things above, right? That's not the point. It's, this is life orientation. We're like, this isn't. It. It's this disposition of glory and who I am. This is my identity. I've been accepted, and this is who he's made me. This is what's happened to me. And when you start thinking about the people sitting around you right now, like that person sitting in front of you, do you realize what they're going to become someday? <laughs> like... C.S. Lewis says, there are no ordinary people. <laughs> you may feel ordinary. He says, you never talk to a mere mortal. We're kind of like, I, I always get this picture when I read this passage, and I'm sorry, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be, I'm going to appeal to two or three of you for just a moment. The rest of you can just go ahead and start wrapping up. But I always, when I read this passage, I just picture Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> and he's far, far, far from home. And he's got this hood over his eyes and there's water, rain pouring down and like he's just soaking. And he's got this smelly pony and he's tromping through the mud and it's way past tea time. He didn't get first or second breakfast, right? And all he can think about is his home in Bag End. And there's a cozy fire and a kettle boiling and tea. And it's so homey. And he's out here sleeping in those stinking mud and ugh. <laughs> but he doesn't quit because he knows he's on a worthy quest, right? But here's the thing, and we're going to talk about this in, in starting in two weeks when we start in on the Psalms of Ascent. There's an interesting thing about us 
we're weird sort of pilgrims because we don't necessarily have somewhere to go. Where we're going is coming to us. Isn't that strange? <laughs> Home is coming to you. Just keep walking. It'll show up. <laughs> um, you, it'll be revealed. It'll be revealed. So we set our minds there. So I'm not going to tell you to get a clue, but I am going to tell you, be a clue. Be a clue. Let me pray for you, brothers and sisters. Lord, um, I want to thank you for all my hidden in Christ family in this room. It's good to be hidden with them. And um, I know we're all wired differently. I know we all have different personalities. And I know we all come to this from different places. And some of us are going through suffering right now. Some of us are going through difficulty right now. Some of us have lots of questions right now. But um, if we could just see who you've made us, if we could just see the promises you've given, if we could just see that you've accepted us and you've given us an identity, if we could just see this, Lord, right now in this room, could you help us to identify that which is keeping us from setting our hearts on things above? Could you help us to identify that which is keeping us from setting our minds on things above? Lord, if we are hanging on tight to some of the things in this list, Lord, if it's the lust, if it's the greed, if it's, um, if it's the anger, the slander, the rage, the malice, the language, Lord, whatever it is that... Um, help us to, to get new desires from setting our mind on you, Jesus. Inside out, Christ formed in us. Lord, just encourage us right now, all across this room, encourage us in the struggle. Encourage us in the walk. Help us to remember the future. Future glory. And Lord, um, I pray that you'd also help us to look around the room and see each other for who we are. Um, there's no ordinary people in this room. Who we are has not yet been revealed. I pray, God, we'd live like, like we are in the coming days. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks. When we say what happened to you, boy, do we have a good answer. <laughs> in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.